Hello and welcome to the Guns on Pegs podcast. My name is George Brown. And I'm Chris. And this is quite a, a special episode. It is. This is very exciting. For a, for a number of reasons. First and foremost, we're in the same room, which is an unusual thing when we're recording these podcasts. It is. Even more specially, we're in my house. With a glass of red. Or a glass of whiskey. Obviously. Um, and we're being reasonably quiet because my kids are asleep two rooms away. I'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and the reason that Chris is here is because Chris is joining us on the family shoot tomorrow, which is very exciting. And the second half of this episode is going to be about the shoot specifically. With your dad. With my dad. But for now, we're joined by two other chaps who are going to be joining us in the line tomorrow. Highly esteemed members of the most noble order of the garters. But gentlemen, we're not going to do what we normally do and say lots of nice things about what fabulous people you are and what amazing things you've done in the insurance market but yeah we'll, we'll stick clear <laughs> so i think we're just going to get you to introduce yourselves so you go first my name is sheldon i'm aka dogs on pegs and a uh, a hat wearing garter member and i'm angus uh no spotty hat unfortunately not as yet any rate but certainly a garter wearer and we've just had a very nice supper even though yeah. i say so myself it was very well cooked it Thank was you. well it was m- massively improved by the very nice wine that we had uh, and we're going to continue on that theme we're going to have a little drink so let's start with sheldon what's that you're drinking so i'm drinking largely a beautiful glass of red wine but also been given a lovely cocktail of a shake baby shake <laughs> strawberry daiquiri which um <laughs> would normally be my first choice but i think when in the countryside enjoy what the what the chaps can bring you so i, I shall open it live and drink some of it as we speak very good i looked at it and it just had your name written all over it uh, actually it's nicer than it than it could be very so very tasty a, this indeed. is a canned pre-prepared cocktail that oh, chris bought in the petrol station the is that right? on the m3 <laughs> absolutely brilliant for choosing podcast drinks uh, i was hoping on my my inaugural way of talking through this uh, podcast i'd be able to have a really good story about what i was drinking but uh the shake baby shake strawberry daiquiri is, is the alternative. <laughs> shake baby shake is the effect, right? That's why <laughs> <laughs> it's going to make Sheldon shake baby shake. I don't want to see this. Right, move on. <laughs> okay, Angus, what have you got? Well, I'm worried because you said it's got your name on it. This one's got dirty written on the front of it, which is a little bit offensive in some ways. <laughs> I've got mango passion, alcoholic sparkling water alcoholic spark i mean that sounds better than just sparkling water yes slightly but i will tell you now hang on i feel that sparkling all that all sparkling water should be alcoholic oh uh yeah (laughs) or 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 no 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 not with the no not pre-wine no post-wine no what have we actually got sitting next to us ah we have rather a nice uh gamay uh which we're we're enjoying here uh 2000 and 21. It's uh, rather nice. So that's what I'm drinking, George. That's what you're <laughs> drinking. How have you got away without having to have one of these things? So I've been oh, told... I'll have a bit of yours in a minute. I've been told that I absolutely have to have some of my passion fruit martini, which I'm not excited about at all, but needs must. So here we go. This is your worst nightmare in a can. Do you know what that... It's like... Actually, it tastes almost exactly the same as Lilt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, send it over. So you can have that. Oh, thank you for trying it, George. Um, and I am going to have... It's very hard to just get him even to try a drink. And then he goes back to back to norm straight away. Straight I, away. I am passing you this purple tiger skin can. It does look lovely, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, my God. Have you seen the radioactive stuff appearing out the top of it? Anyway. 
Is it Lilt or is it Five Alive that it reminds me of? Oh, Five Alive. Oh, it's so Five Alive. Um, um, bongo. Oh, yeah, yeah, an alcoholic and bongo. So, so yes, um, <laughs> I'm staying true to form and I've got a very nice glass of whiskey. The standard fare, which is the Abelow 12-year-old. Just to clarify, it's absolutely alcoholic and bongo. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's quite something. I think they just stole the bongo recipe and added alcohol. <laughs> I'm sure there's a song that goes with that. I'm not going to try it. <laughs> <laughs> It's nice though, is it? This is the night before a shoot day. I, I get very excited as as podcast listeners. I can tell you know. already got very overexcited in the petrol station. Yeah, <laughs> why not? I get a chance to buy you a drink and you have to drink it. That's very exciting. Have you yeah. ever known me say no to a drink? Yes, nearly then. Well, nearly, <laughs> being the, the operative word. But it's the night before a shoot day. I get very excited about the night before a shoot day because it is my, you know, it's peak excitement. And to be all here, down at the farm that I've never been to before. Very, very exciting. Well, well that we've listened to for several well, I was years say, now. So the, the reason I thought that I'd get my dad on for the second half of the podcast is because we've talked about lots of shoots on the podcast over the last three years or whatever it is, but no shoot has been mentioned more often than this one. But um, we, we're in the second half, there's going to be a big deep dive into the, the last 120 years of the shoot. Year by year. Are you doing season by season? <laughs> season by season account of uh, drives and headshot. And- yeah, we tr- we tried this drive like that once and it didn't work. And we tried it again like that. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased to have you guys down here. Um, and uh, I hope everybody enjoys the second half of the podcast. But it's very exciting to have you all down. Um, and uh, we've had some cold weather and there's birds all over the show. Uh, so far this year, we have not been successful in really getting them to go over the guns. We've sort of gone past the guns rather than over. Um, but uh, with Does any that mean luck, through? No, it means they've gone sideways rather okay, than forwards yeah. for okay. the most part. Yeah. Um, and who knows what tomorrow will bring. But um, there's lots of them around. We'll see a lot. We just might not shoot very many. But um, it'll very be a lovely exciting. day anyway. It'll yeah, be really it'll be good, good, good either way. Looking forward to that. And we're looking forward to the five minutes, no more than five minutes, start of shoot instructions as well. Oh, that's not me. That's Dad. And it'll <laughs> be at least uh, 10. Ah. Oh, yes. I enjoyed that conversation. So we've got you guys here to do uh, the really fun stuff, which is discuss the correspondence which George has picked out of our mailbag. Groaning mailbag. Yeah. So your job, gentlemen, is to provide... Um, well, I was going to say educated and um well-informed advice but that would independent be independent intelligence advice exactly but we haven't done that for 67 episodes <laughs> yeah, so, so, far now. <laughs> <laughs> so i don't see why we'd begin but uh yeah we'll try and do our best all of a sudden i feel qualified <laughs> <laughs> so the first piece of correspondence we have is a whose bird is it anyway which comes from somebody who emailed pod at gunsonpegs.com who i've decided to name montgomery and Montgomery has written, and I've chosen this one specifically for you guys because I know that you're syndicate shoot members. And he says, I recently joined a syndicate this season on a farm shoot, which is really good fun. Great days out, and I'm glad to be a part of it. The night before the first day this season, the shoot captain messaged the shoot WhatsApp group, making sure that we were all ready for the day and so on, but also dropped in the hint that the tip money was to go up from last season which seemed a bit odd as it's a DIY shoot where all the guns chip in with the feeding, etc. The fee last season was £30 per gun, but it's now gone up £10 purely because one of the guns who helps on the shoot 
has broken his quad bike whilst out feeding. It seems a bit odd to me that we are all paying for the repair of his quad bike because nobody else is allowed to use it when we're out feeding. It has certainly caused a stir amongst the syndicate members. I'd like to know you guys' opinion. Hold on, let me get this straight. Over the course of the year, they're going to claim back in the form of tips the the fees for repairing a guy's quad who brings it and let's let's be honest he hasn't got this quad solely for feeding purposes has correct he? well i assume not no no i mean it's his quad he doesn't let anyone else use it and because he goes feeding with it through the form of tips he's going to reclaim some maintenance fees for his quad sounds like it right i'll let someone else go first so i want to ask you first of all so your syndicate um it's kind of DIY, but mostly not. Like you could have some work party days and that kind of stuff, but the day to day stuff is run by your brother, I think. Yep, that's how it's my brother. Yeah, Dickon, uh, who's a writer uh, in the. Um, Check out his articles, by the way. They <laughs> yeah, are great. There you go. On Scribe Hound. On Scribe Hound, yeah, absolutely. The Squirrel uh, Cup. And, uh, yeah, the Squirrel Cup, the infamous Squirrel Cup. Too soon, too soon for that. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, so it's, it's DIY. Uh, my, my brother, you know, incredibly passionately involved, et cetera, with it and doing it, um, you know, day in, day out um, for the love of my as anything else we don't do tips we we put expenses into the kind of uh tally up at the end of the season and the, and the beating and picking up team is all you know family and friends and absolutely kids and- or yeah yeah just i mean literally there's a, there's a group of people who come along for the love of it and we too try and make sure we feed them a lunch some etc but there's nothing else that goes on from that and 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 you know we're actually we've, we've got plenty of people coming so that's not the model we run um but everybody puts things in. So, you know, we don't, people who brings the tractor and drives the trailer and all of that kind of things. Nobody's going to repair the tractor or putting the diesel in the, the diesel in it, et cetera. So, you know, it's a different model. It's a definitely a different yeah. model. Yeah. That's the thing about syndicates though. They are in all forms, aren't they? They are. And that's what's so lovely about it. This one is, there's obviously a bit more going on uh, to even get to this point suggests so, but uh it's odd. What do you think? What's your initial reaction to this well, scenario? It, 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 feel, it feels like the quad bike is quite vital to the syndicate. Mm-hmm. So if the that's operation, the case, then yeah. perhaps they should be willing to chip in. But to do it surreptitiously is, is a little bit unfortunate. That's what I think it's odd, isn't it? It's like in the form of a tip. <laughs> so everyone chip in 20 quid once and we'll get it repaired would be a better way than saying yeah, exactly. we'll bleed the, it out through the season. The quad bike that keeps the pheasants in the drives is, has had oh, an issue. My quad bike. Like, we'll just, we'll just add, it, add it to the bill. The exactly. I don't need a tip to like let me know that that's important. I feel like that we're missing an important bit of this email, though. And, and I hesitate to have a dig at our correspondence, but he seems very upset about not being allowed to have a go on the quad bike. <laughs> 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 like just give him a tenner and you can have a go oh now there's a thing charged for rides yeah now they can actually make money that way <laughs> but also though he 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 knows or he thinks he knows that this is entirely why the 10 pound addition has been added he just said it's because of this yeah i don't, I don't know whether it's i'm wondering whether it's a hunch actually do you think it's a hunch well mm. it doesn't sound like you know, I spoke to the captain. He said, that's what's happened. It just sounds like I'm angry and I think this is what's happened. I've put two and two together and I've made eight. I don't know. There's a chance at least. Well, unless it's in the bill and it's, um, you know, but eight, eight, eight days at eight guns and all of a sudden it's 640 pounds. That's a brand new quad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've not bought a quad recently. No, no, yeah, exactly. you're, not, you're not getting a quad for that. You're not. 
But I don't know. Like, it sounds to me like it's not eight days. Thirty quid per person per day, going up to forty. To be it's fair, not though, that steep, is it? Well, it depends what it. It doesn't really depend what it is. I mean, it doesn't really matter what shoot you're in. You're not getting away for a lot less than. I mean, what's the what's the smallest tip is vaguely acceptable, irrespective of what happens on a shoot. I'm, I'm glad you asked another day before George's shoot. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we've had the email. I, I went to the M3 services and the cash. Point. I forgot oh, to wow. tell you. I forgot to tell you. The tips have gone up by ten pounds. No, of course it is. Uh, so actually, it's for the meal we've just eaten. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, the thing about tipping is it goes in really it goes in denominations of 10 doesn't it people don't do fivers well cash points don't do fivers so, Did you know you must have heard the story about the keeper who was uh, he was being tipped and the guide got a couple of fivers in his in his wedge and it all went wrong in the handshake and the fivers blew away and the keeper quite acidly went i think you need it more than me <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's worth a slap that <laughs> Mm. I'm sure it's apocryphal. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but what my point was going to be that on the basis that tips go up in denominations of 10, they would have gone to 30 a little bit ahead of their time. And I reckon that they go to 40 behind. And, and so what I'm saying is it could have been sort of oh, you're just, 10 you years think ago. It's just inflation. I reckon it's inflation plus a few years. And 10 years ago, they were probably 30, in which case that's very much 40 now. And there also could be a lot of that. But I mean, it sounds to me, you know, it's caused a stir amongst the other syndicate members. It sounds to me like this is, you know, we've said before on this podcast, all syndicates end in acrimony. Yeah, mm. they're not far away. It's just interesting. It's a, it's it's the the model they're doing. I mean, if the if the model is the tips contribute to the cost of the shoot, it is still just a way to charge the guns. But I guess you can get something off guests as well to contribute. And maybe that's the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charge them twice as much in tips. Uh, the thing is, well, like, that helps. That helps. That that's that's actually quite. Yeah. useful when you think about it if this guy's the guy on his quad bike out feeding and he's the one with the quad and they're the one paying for the quad who else is doing the feeding are they doing the feeding by hand with no quad bike i mean that's the that's the choice isn't it you give this guy the tenor or you carry the sacks of feed but i think it's just the brazenness to say well you know there's 500 quids worth of repairs needed on this bike just can you take it out of the kitty rather than yeah through the tip? I think this is where the guy's gone wrong. He's he's gone he's gone to tips, which is just yeah. Tips isn't a fee, is it? A tip is a tip. And also, like telling everyone what the tip will be for this year, I've also found that slightly odd. Yeah, it's there always is, it's always discretionary. It, yeah, it's discretionary, but guided. But there has to be an element of discretion. Like, right, guys, the, the tip is forty quid. Like, you might as well just call it a fee and stick it in the bill, mate. I mean, that's yeah. not other than your guests. Are contributing if you collect it as tips on the day yeah that's slightly different you can guide them but obviously you did have a lovely day you know if you want to do 60 80 <laughs> as you're a guest did he say that it he it was it was known that it was for the quad but it was suspect it says that the fee has gone up purely by 10 pounds purely because one of the guns who helps on the shoot has broken his quad that sounds expressed doesn't that, it? that sounds like hearsay to me uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, I don't think the purely is as purely as it I reckon. Sounds. There's more than one shoot WhatsApp group going on. <laughs> <laughs> what does he actually want to know? What do we think? He wants to know our opinion. My opinion is you should get together and pay for the repair of the quad bike and leave the tips as they were. If there's an issue with the quad bike and it's down to the fact that he drives it a lot on the shoot and not the fact that he rags it around his own farm, etc. Put it on the shoot, Bill. Yeah. Or at least, you know, if he is fundamental to 
doggy and the pheasants, like, yeah, of course. He's the one. Yeah, with I think the you have to appreciate that the quad is obviously a vital well, bit of kit. It's like it's like pickers up being paid a bit more than the beaters. It's the same deal, isn't yeah. it? No, they they've they've got something else going on there. Yeah. But also, you know, come on, it's a ten. Yeah, that 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 too. <laughs> oh, it's eighty quid over the season. One pheasant. <laughs> <laughs> what does eighty quid get you on a quad back, Sheldon? Uh, I've absolutely no idea. Yeah, I th- I think this is yeah crying over spilt milk slightly. That's what I think. I think it's it's a syndicate shoot. Like none of it's going to cost that much. Yeah. The extra tenner. Seriously, it's a couple of pints. Like, just suck it up. Yeah, and about one if you're in London. And you know, do you do you really want to upset? Do you want to upset the man with the quad bike? No, no, yeah, you don't want to. If he's the man that puts your pheasants in your drive, then don't even ask it's any questions. Not even that. In the first do you place. want to carry the sacks of feed? Yeah, all that way. Do you want yeah. to buy your own quad bike and do it yourself? <laughs> that exactly. The, the alternatives are much worse. Yeah, than paying the tenner. Um, but it sounds like it maybe could have been handled a bit better. Um, from, we don't from the shoot often go, uh, maybe we do go often go completely against some correspondence. I think, yeah, I think back in the box slightly there. Sorry, Monty. Yeah. Stump up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but in the form of 80 quid now. <laughs> yeah. Make it 100 for cash. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I shall have some more alcoholic and mongo. <laughs> Strawberry daiquiri time. Right. I've got another query here from someone that George has called Albert. Oh, by the way, why was he called Montgomery? Because I thought he was a bit stingy, so I've named him after Monty Burns off The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with vehicles in deserts or anything yeah, I, like I that. No, that no, no. Oh. no, it was a Simpsons <laughs> reference. Because sometimes I go highbrow, yeah. and sometimes I go lowbrow. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so this one comes from someone that George has called Albert. Um an invite arrived for a two-day trip to a Scottish estate to enjoy a single driven 200 to 250 bird day. Excitement ensued. Mrs. G agreed in principle, and so some background work began. I researched the estate and their gamekeeper and previous reports on how good the shooting had been. There was a full list of prices for various days throughout the season, clearly dependent on the date, popularity and size of the bag chosen. My appetite was certainly whetted. Having already been given the price, hotel and travel arrangements, etc., I was now more enlightened about what was happening. No doubt you and your listeners are at least one sentence ahead of with regards to this story and where it goes. The cheeky individual of dubious parentage (laughs) (laughs) had submitted a price to participants that clearly included his costs in full. Being Being an honest individual, this did not sit right. So, I contacted the usual suspects who would also have received an invite. Kel Surprise, my suspicions were correct. So, the dilemma. Do I, A, politely decline, B, pay up and shut up, C, arrange an alternative trip on a different date to the same shoot with all costs clearly listed for all parties, D, meet said individual in the quiet to save any embarrassment and explain my our concern. E, some other solution. I'll stick an F in there, which can go with the some other solution, which is oust him straight away if you think this is genuine and we'll have a chat about it. <laughs> right, so I know who this is and his name's... <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely convinced. It's come to me from two other people, one of which I know very well and you know, 
who was on the receiving end of a, a chap who did this to a team and they no longer book with that person and I'm no he's still very much active shooting a lot with all sorts of teams so anyway if this is what's happening it's mental isn't it if so he he so he's rung up other team members they've looked at the prices on the website of this shoot and they know they're paying essentially nine gun the shooting eight type thing you know whatever that don't know if i explained that correctly but uh and so this guy's going along scot-free on the fact that he's just i mean cheeky as fuck right yes yes (laughs) it's a lot of organization as anyone who's organized these days would suggest you're fucking telling me (laughs) (laughs) i guess what's 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 unfortunate is they're doing underhand i think if you said i'll organize a day but i'm going to add x percent because it's going to quantitate towards my day i don't think it's a problem doing that if you're up front about it. If you're up front, but if you're doing it sneakily, it? saying it's 100 quid a day and I'm going to get yeah, free But even days. then, you've got to say, guys, would it be okay? I'll happily organise the day, but it would it be okay if sort of all the hassle, like a bit comes off my peg type thing. It's, it, but it's also all it's all of the costs, right? So they're paying for his hotel and oh, everything. Like if it was just his move. peg, I'd be like, well, you know, you're kind, it's kind of a bit like a being an agent for the day. Like, fine, take your feet. Be upfront about it. But paying for his hotel... That's. I guess if it's a rov- if it was a roving syndicate, and everyone uh, took a time each year to do. And you know, it. you know what's going to happen. They're paying for his wine, his food on the thing. The rest yeah. of it, aren't they? Yeah. I- I'm just jealous. I've not thought about it first. If I'm <laughs> <laughs> That's your card, isn't we? Hang on a minute. Have you thought about it first? <laughs> I haven't checked into it all are those days sh- we've done. Are you sure it's not Sheldon? No. <laughs> so what does he do? I mean, the problem is you're asking a bunch of people in good spirits have. If having a drink the night before a shoot you're going to get a really aggressive answer well okay i can tell it's you which one we're, de- we're definitely bold. not going with pay up option b pay up and shut up as we did yeah. before we were like just fucking pay the man yeah, for yeah. The quad. we're not this doing time that on round, this one no, that, no. that's there is, not do not accept this it has to stop now because you know he's not the only team you're doing he's doing it to like this guy's getting a season in this way. You have to vote with your feet, don't you? Yeah. You don't necessarily have to pick a fight, but you, you can not be part of it. Yeah, but you can pick a fight. It's fun, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if you want to pick a fight, I think the, you know, posting in one of those Facebook groups is the way forward. Or, 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 or writing into or guns writing on pay. And being named. No, because even though I've named who I think this person is, George is definitely bleeping. Are you hoping, are you hoping I'm going to bleep it, are you? I just, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to control that, but if you don't, I mean... <laughs> okay. Just in case I'm wrong, obviously, but I'm fairly certain I'm not. It could be could be libel. There's also another reason I think I'm not wrong, I'll tell you later. It's yeah. not the first time I've heard of it, mind you. Well, I was going to say, it, I reckon I reckon it happens a lot. Mm. It's proper bad yeah, form. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's bad, it's it's bad also, form. Like, it's how bad can form. you enjoy your day knowing that all these other people have... No, you enjoy that a lot more. Oh, actually, that sounds no, amazing. <laughs> no, sure, sure. Like if other people have paid for you, but like in in one way or but another, they want like to. it's a bit. Yeah, exactly. They want to. Like, yeah, fine. But if if you're like sneakily being like, I don't know, it's just weird. Like you can't. That's not a nice feeling. No, that that, that hotel room was an extra fifty for no apparent reason. It's just no. Yeah, not yeah right. that's not right. Oh, yeah, it's not just, right. So you, you, so Chris, you're for name and shame. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. At the moment, I am. Maybe like Monday morning, I might be like, yeah, a bit more polite <laughs> about it. But um, so one of his options he he offered to us was arrange an alternative trip on a different date to the same shoot with all cross clearly listed for all the parties who he thinks this person is invited. What's interesting is he thinks he knows who half the team is or more. Uh, if he does, that's a great shout. 
Yeah. Because that would make the guy look like a right idiot, wouldn't it? Because he'd know. Yeah, and you make sure you send him lots of nice pictures on the Yeah, he'd be like, well. a lovely day. Sorry we couldn't make your one. Somehow it's somehow it's slightly cheaper than just, what you offered us as well. It's, it's not just the price. It's all the more enjoyable because you're not here. <laughs> <laughs> I think the vote by your feet is a good option. Just kind of don't, don't it, go along it's, with it. It's, it's, it's vote, vote by your feet. And then if you're feeling a little bit more vindictive or, 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 or designed to out it, is to say, I'm not becoming because. Yeah. And you tell your fellow uh, yeah. uh, invitees that you know the reason why you're not. Yeah. What do we think about option D, which is meet, meet the person on the quiet and say, are you sure? Yeah, so these aren't all, these aren't mutually exclusive, are they? Yeah. You need to do a bit of C, which is arrange an alternative trip. D, meet the guy. Uh, so you can do A, politely decline, arrange an alternative and meet him at the same and time. Say, listen up, mate. Yeah. Just uh, to let you know, we're on to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're not having this anymore because that's just not the way Because presumably they're quite around, matey, yeah. otherwise they wouldn't be getting the invite. It's one of those invites to pay though, isn't it? But very poor form. Did I tell you, by the way, the fee for tomorrow is 500 <laughs> 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 All right, what I want to know is the latest anyone's been a shoot scenario where they've been told they then have to pay. <laughs> oh, uh... <laughs> Bacon sandwiches? At the end of the shoot when you've, when you've agreed to overages after the, la- after the third drive. That's <laughs> when the invoice comes a week after. Yeah, exactly. well, that's got to have happened, hasn't it? Oh, it's a sure. lovely day you had, and then the invoice arrives. That's definitely happened, hasn't it? If that has happened to you, pod at gunsonpegs.com, please tell us how that was for you. Wowzers. <laughs> so we're suggesting A, politely decline. C, arrange an alternative trip on a different date to the same shoot with all costs clear list of all parties d meet said individual and the quiet to save an embarrassment explain our concern and there's a little bit of e suggested some other solution which is um go a step further if this guy's a real shyster yeah a standard let's, walk let's past make sure is a standard set isn't it others within our group of of mutual unknown friends don't uh, share the same fate when this episode goes out and we post about it you share it and tag the person though i think it is yeah yeah, that's that's really hashtag. Cool. Is this you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what is it used for a bleep? I <laughs> uh, um, haven't decided yet. Partridge, might not, might not use partridge. one at all. <laughs> it's the pheasant noise. The pheasant. It is the pheasant. I might have lost it though. Okay, <laughs> and so the last piece of correspondence that we've got is a plea from somebody I'm going to call Robinson, who has written. I was introduced to clay shooting by my grandfather over two years ago, and I've been hooked ever since, shooting fortnightly. However, over the past year, I've become interested in shooting game, and I have no idea of how to get into it. My grandfather has shot game many times in the past, and is still physically and financially able to do it, but he claims he has no interest in it, and much prefers clay shooting. I am yet to obtain a license and my own shotgun, so I'm pretty much reliant upon my grandfather to shoot at all. He's the only member of my family to shoot, despite his constant attempts to get my father and uncles to join in the sport. As well as this, I have no friends of my age who shoot, nor do I know any adults that do, apart from my girlfriend's father, but I don't really feel up to asking the six-foot-four father of my girlfriend if I can tag along with him. I thought of using guns on pegs to book myself a day, but I would like to go with at least one person I know for my first ever time, and I'm beginning to see that this may be impossible, especially with no friends who have even shot clays before. Therefore, my question is this. How do I get into shooting game with no connections to the sport at all? 
I think I must have edited the bit out where he says he's 17, but he's 17. So he's old enough for a license. He needs to obviously get his license. It does make it slightly more awkward if you don't have one in trying to get into it because, you know, turning up with a gun is fairly What I definitely wouldn't be doing is booking a single peg on a day no. through guns on pegs. I just don't think that's the right... Or, or, you mean or, he's not or any other lower side, lesser side? If you've never shot game before, you oh, yeah, like yeah. turn up on a, you know, on a driven day, having never done it before, with a bunch of people you don't know, like it's going to be terrifying. Well, but he, he could do it if he's in the clay world. He could do it with an instructor from the clay place and That's go with a very him. On good that idea. Idea. That's so, a great shout. Yeah, go to your clay ground where you go. Say to the guy who taught you, right? Come on. I really fancy going on game. What's the fee for you to come and join me for a whole day? Make sure I don't do anything wrong. Look after me. Keep me safe. And just, you know, keep me on the straight. No, that that's a great shout. A lot of people do that. And actually, it's a very, like, normalised thing. What's the cutoff for a Basque Young Shots day? Good question. Don't know. I don't know the answer. But, but it probably, probably 17's okay. Yeah, I'd have thought so. Yeah. But what I was thinking about this is um, there's lots and lots of ladies shooting groups that are specifically set up to help for ladies this. get into shooting. Yeah. There isn't an equivalent for guys, as far as I know. It's just sort of assumed that you'll have the connections and all the money. It's a really fair point. But there point. isn't like a a club that I know of that you could join. I think I think that we might be trying to solve a problem that isn't there slightly. In that, um, when you said "don't turn up on a single peg" thing, I actually think that is what everyone does just with Sheldon's suggestion of, of an, an instructor. instructor or ring the shoot look I've shot clays loads I'm confident of all the etiquette and the safety um it's my first game day though can I have someone from the shoot stand with me you'll need to tip him a little bit sure here's the deal that I think happens a lot and I think if you're upfront about it you could book a single peg on a roving day. And he's talking, uh, one of his other points in here isn't, isn't about all that. It's about then like friendships. There are so many people I know that have turned up on days where they're like mixed groups of guns and they end up friends for life type scenarios. If it's local enough, that's true. And I think we've been on days where we bought a couple of pegs and sometimes it's a bit weird because you feel a mm. bit outsidery. But I, I think I in this sport, hard. you know, fortune favors a brave and you have to kind of go out there a little bit and, and you and do you've it. got to try yeah. you can't be like get back in your car after the drive type thing you know there's i don't agree with that no that i, I hate those people uh <laughs> glad you clear that up for tomorrow yeah. <laughs> if you do I'll that, be dying tomorrow <laughs> your windscreen's gone during 11s is it's his car so that's fine yeah, fine but i mean we're also missing the the absolutely blindingly obvious answer go which on. is Find the local syndicate, go beating. It's, shoot yeah. beaters You've said day. this before on many other podcasts. Like you should get I, involved in the shoot. If I if I ruled the world, you would not be allowed to shoot a game day without beating for a season first. I agree with because, that. Because like you can't. I, yes, you can shoot, but you actually need to understand Other how things. the whole day works. Yeah, you can't just stand on the peg and have birds pushed over you. No, I agree. I think because then you think of them as clays. You have to understand the that's true. The, yes. the whole process. I would say fight that there will be a syndicate out there that will be absolutely thrilled to have you come beating with them and get out there and do it. 
And if you're that keen, then get you in the syndicate. But also, you'll then make the friendships through the through the beating team. Someone in the beating team's probably got some pigeon shooting. You go shoot some pigeons, etc., etc., etc. And then you'll find out whether the whole thing. You know, it, you don't want to drop five, six, eight hundred quid on a on a driven day only to learn that it's not really for you. And, go, and like go, 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 girlfriends. <laughs> Father's he's there. 17. He he might, he might be six foot four, but that doesn't mean he's not a decent bloke. And most shooting yeah, people exactly. will get you involved in shooting. Go beat. Like at, how, at, much, at, how much do you like this girl as well? Yeah, like, I mean, you know, go, go be there. I reckon he's punching with his girlfriend because he's obviously <laughs> feeling a bit nervous about asking his father-in-law, who clearly he feels like might not like. Father-in-law, have you gone too far there? Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, but I mean, like, could be onto a winner. Like, you know. Yeah, he. I mean, he's there. Maybe he's got a grouse. That's... Well, well, I guess also now that he's been mentioned on the podcast, he is a uh, Order of the Garter member. He will be. He will be. And maybe invited to the next Order of the Garter day, if that was well, going to happen. Yeah. In which he After could... he's beat for it for a year, yeah. according yeah. to George. And he could probably invite his girlfriend's dad to come and load for him. Oh, on... now we're talking. <laughs> on the podcast day. If only you'd ask me first, father. Pops. Pops. <laughs> if I got a gig for you, you're going to drive me. To, to, <laughs> I'm borrowing your gun <laughs> and you're loading, and you won't believe it. You're loading for me as well. Yeah, you have to cut the stock down, won't you? Then, <laughs> yes, he would have to cut the stock down a bit or shoot from the hip. Oh, Del <laughs> boy, I think he's worrying about it a little bit too much. Yeah, but it's it, it is like it's so easy for us. We've grown, we've all grown up. In you're it, so true to go. This is just easy. Yeah, yeah, but it's not. Oh, and your first day, if you've not done it, I imagine you'd be absolutely bricking it that I'm first bricking time. I'm bricking it first drive every day, and I've been shooting for 30 years. You are really bad, though. And old. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, do, I think, you know, we, it's so easy for us to, to, to sit here and blithely go, oh, well, you know, this, that, and the other. But it is and I actually, you know, good on him for, for writing in and saying, I don't know what to do. Because yeah, I agree. And, and yeah, but I, it is, I, I really it is hard. 15 years of my many years alive and, and i think you have to be a bit bold on these things you have to invite yourself and you know I, i've beaten the syndicate for yep. a number of years before i was invited to shoot and the beaters days and so i think unless you lean into these things and unless you're kind of willing to do a bit more the, the, these things that you're not going to be invited to the 300 bird day in the cotswolds unless you're willing to do a little bit of work beforehand yeah i do, I do think you have to put in your apprenticeship Agree completely, hundred percent. Get in there, get involved, show yourself willing. Get behind a, a stick rather than a gun to start with. Get in that way. Sometimes I reckon beaters have have more fun. Than oh, it's the guns. A crack! You uh, can get I'm a not, lot that's more. Not true. That's you can not get true. a lot more pissed than the guns like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from the start. Of that's the day. definitely true. And the best jokes are always on the beat. The loveliest scenario here, though, mostly would, the loveliest scenario would be that he joined the syndicate went beating and then his first day was on the syndicate the year after and he asked one of the syndicate members or someone oh, to stand with amazing. him on that first day who he had become friends with as a result of being a part of the syndicate and had his journey into it like that that would just be an epic story and that's got to have happened so many times and that is what could happen here yeah that's that's the, the classic route in well, that's that, what that, happened that, to you that's happened with angus and i that's exactly how i got into it i was beating on the syndicate for a couple of three years we'd stand with I, you i got offered the the the, the gun I hadn't really shot before. Angus kind of stood with me to teach me how to kind of the, the, the etiquette around the peg. And now, uh, now, now I teach him a thing or two myself. Yeah. <laughs> About shooting. <laughs> <laughs> but also, we've done the same thing with your wife. My wife and my children and your... Indeed. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And the kids. Yeah. Same thing. That's first. There you go. That's exactly what needs to happen. Perfect. 
solved it. That's oh, that three from three. That's that's good. It's, you're right, actually. Three genuinely useful, not two taking the piss answers to three questions. I mean, okay, well, that's what we think. Two out of three. Two out of three. Two out of three in bed. <laughs> good. Right. So Montgomery. Albert and Robinson. Oh, hold on. Why was he called Robinson? Wait, where, 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 how, why was he called Albert? Albert, because he'd obviously done the math very quickly, Albert Einstein. I was thinking stepson's son. <laughs> <laughs> that could also have worked. Uh, and Robinson, because he's lonely. Robinson Crusoe. Oh, oh. Oh. Oh, he's just got to turn the screw on the poor chap. <laughs> he can come and join us. No man is an island. Uh, so Montgomery, Albert and Robinson are all the newest members of the most noble order of the garters and will very soon be in receipt of a set of the highly coveted Guns on Pegs podcast shooting sock garters. If you two have got a shooting confession, quandary or a query that you'd like us and our guests to help you with, or if you've got an unpopular opinion you'd like to share, or if you'd like to tell us about a forgotten drive and you would like a set of garters, drop us an email to pod at gunsonpegs.com. Right, so as we said at the beginning of the episode, the shoot here on the farm is probably, it might be the most talked about shoot in shooting. <laughs> well, on this podcast, anyway. <laughs> given, that, given that nobody talks about shooting as much as we do on this podcast, and it's mentioned in every single episode. And because uh, these three chaps uh, and a few others are joining us on the shoot, tomorrow i thought it'd be very interesting to look back at the history of the shoot here on the farm so earlier today i sat down with my dad who is the most qualified person there is to talk about the shoot and i recorded our conversation so here is that interview i don't know if it's an interview anyway interview whatever it is <laughs> here it is <laughs> welcome to the guns on pegs podcast thank you very much it um feels quite weird to be interviewing my own dad, but... Um, Try sitting in my seat. <laughs> First of all, I suppose we put a, probably better uh, let all the listeners know who you are. Uh, my name's Simon Brown. Uh, we live just north of Winchester. Um, my family have farmed here since 1961, though the farm was actually tenanted with a life tenant as existed in those days and, until 1960. But my father was the first member of the family to actually farm here. So when did the family first purchase the farm? How long ago was that? I believe it was around about 1900. And there's a bit of an apocryphal story. Uh, my my great-grandfather was a doctor in Winchester. And my father always said that it was uncertain whether the papers were signed by the patient alive or dead. Uh, but um, <laughs> we, we won't dwell too much on that because we've had it for a long time and nobody's going to challenge us anymore. And so when did you take over the farming? Uh, my father died in 1980, uh, which was far too young. He was only 60. Uh, and so I, but I, in, in terms of the shoot, I, I started getting involved a lot earlier than that. And there has been, uh, we'll get onto this in a bit more detail, but there's been a shoot on the farm pretty much the whole time, I think. There has. Uh, when the farm was tenanted, the tenant had the shooting rights um he was he was called percy bragg and i think he was a bit of bit of a cat well cat is possibly the wrong word but he was um quite a tough individual i believe he and one or two others definitely ran what was called the war ag uh, during the, the second world war which was basically 
determining how farmers in the area should behave. And mm. I've got a feeling they stitched it up pretty well to look after <laughs> their own, own, own interests. Okay. Um, right. So, as you know, having listened to a few of these podcasts and seen the after effects of some of them as well, um, we like to have a drink. No, I can't be persuaded. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> what have you done with I'll my real dad? I'll make an exception on this occasion because um, we are celebrating this week uh, the birth of my new granddaughter, Poppy, for, for my son, Jim, and his wife, Georgia. And so we're going, to, we're going to pop a cork in a moment. Well, I think we should pop it now. Should we do that? Fine. So the, the bottle we're popping is actually the same as we served at their wedding. Uh, it's a, it's a, a, a method champenoise from... South Africa, uh, supplied by Stonevine and Son, and local wine merchant. Simon actually went to school with me, who's the wine merchant. It's, um, it's called Claudia, and it's from the most beautiful place called Hemelonard, uh, near Hermanus, in, uh, not far from Cape Town. And it's, um, it's really quite delicious. Well, before I actually take the cork I'm just going to say, you're quite brave letting me open it, because the last time I opened a bottle of champagne on the podcast, um, it obviously got a bit agitated, and I was recording sitting on my bed in the flat in Greenwich. Uh, the cork hit the ceiling, the champagne went everywhere. Uh, it was all a bit of a catastrophe. So fingers crossed this one goes a bit better. Well, I haven't let you shake it up anyway. Oh, that was a fat. That wasn't a pop. <laughs> so we're going to raise a glass to my new niece. Oh, astonishing good luck, and especially to Poppy. Here, here, and I'm going to keep the bottle uh, while we do this. Okay, right, so the shoot then. So there's been a shoot here for a very long time. Um, what do you know about the very early days of the shoot, you know, back in the very early 1900s? What I'm told and what I've read is that it was purely a partridge shoot. It was keepered. Uh, there were belts of conifers over which English partridges were driven. The keeper would stand on a pheasant's nest when he found it because he, he didn't trust them. Oh, wow. I thought they would be uh, detrimental to the, to the greys. That's right. Uh, all all greys partridges. Um, and believe it or not, there was actually a book, uh, a novel, written by J.K. Stanford of the Twelfth and After fame called Guns Wanted. And although it's not named as this particular place, um, we know that it was about it. Uh, there are certain uh, geographical things that are absolutely certain. Uh, the, the, the farm buildings has a horseshoe of beech trees around it, and that's mentioned in the book. And it's known that he shot here. So, so it was sort of a, a, a respected enough shoot, I guess, in that sense, that it was worth writing about. But I think it was because I've read the book and I think it was probably chosen because it was not run of the mill, but not not a big grand affair. No, I'm pretty I'm pretty certain that Percy Bragg, the tenant, did run a syndicate, which is what is talked about in this book. Um, and so there was probably that model used. And no doubt there were some dodgy characters in there as well. <laughs> I mean, I think there's dodgy characters on most shoots. Okay, so, so that's the very early days, and uh, it was wild grey partridges, keepered. So then the, the farming gets taken back into the family uh, in the 60s. Yep. What then happens with the shoot? Well, my father was not a very keen shot. Uh, he enjoyed the day, he enjoyed the company, 
but he didn't particularly like shooting. He did shoot a little bit, but astonishingly badly, but safe. Um, that so must that be where I get it from. <laughs> no, I, 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 no you, 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 you're too self-deprecating there, George. You're not too bad these days. <laughs> um, and it's always, well, for certainly through the 60s and the 70s, it was all wild birds. We still were lucky enough to have quite a lot of, of grey partridges in those days. Um, right through to probably the 80s, I would say, was when the greys disappeared. Um, and you were involved at, at, at that, in, in, I guess, in the 70s, uh, were you? My name first appears in the book, and I think it's 1969. So you've got an old game book. I've got my father's old game book, um, and his very, very tiny writing, which makes life quite difficult. Yes, 20th of December, 1969, SMB appears, um, and that's the first occasion. I've got a feeling that was the, yes, that was the occasion when there was actually a shooting accident on the farm, and believe it or not, the person who shot somebody else was a police officer. <laughs> um, okay. And that was a foggy day, and somebody moved off their peg, so the absolute cardinal rule. And so, were you involved in the running of the shoot at that stage, or would you have been a bit... No, that didn't happen really until probably the early 70s I got involved, and uh, yeah, loved it. And we should probably just talk a little bit about the, the landscape here, because I've, <laughs> I've always felt that... Um, you know, we are on the chalk, but we are not classic Hampshire or Wiltshire chalk valleys, even though if you go about five miles in any other any direction from here, you do get that. So we've got slightly different landscape here, I think, to some of the surrounding. Yeah, that that's that's a reasonable uh, thing to say that we have some slopes, but they're very gentle. Um, and so. You know, traditionally, partridges would have been driven over a hedge uh, with the guns standing, you know, really quite close to the hedge. And, of course, the classic English partridges would then starbust uh, over, over the hedge. Yeah. Um, but you would, you would shoot really quite low by today's standards in front of you. Yeah. Uh, and shoot behind as well? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure whether they used to have pickers up in, in, in the good old days behind. Um, but certainly... The guns would shoot quite low, um, mm. and if you if you'd seen a really good partridge shot in the sixties and seventies when they were taking four birds out of a covey with a pair of guns, mm. the first one would have been taken practically horizontal in front of you, straight over the top of the hedge. Yeah, the hedges now, I suppose, have had you know the the, the shelter belts have had forty fifty years of growth since then. Most of the shelter belts, I should think, were planted post-war but actually it was the hedges that mattered and when my father took over the farm many of the actual hedges were 20 foot high wow okay uh, and but getting very straggly and so he then took them down to probably eight foot and they they're, they're now lovely thick hedges but probably not much more than that in terms of height yeah they'd be about eight 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 or nine feet now wouldn't they most of them yeah okay um so winding the clock forward then again to i guess the 90s which would be my first memories of shoot days here obviously a lot changed between say the 80s when you say the greys more or less disappeared yes i mean one of the entries that still absolutely astonishes me well there's a couple the, the periods from 1974 to about 1976 was really amazing 
And given that we did not rear a single bird, and nor did any of our neighbours at that time, so 3rd of December 1975, there were 127 wild pheasants and three partridges shot in a day. Wow. Uh, With, looking at the names, there were some fairly dodgy looking, um, not very good shots in the line at that point. Is there a shot count? No, no, they didn't have clickers then, as far as I'm aware. Um, And then 1976, which many would know was an absolutely astonishing year, on the 30th of September, we shot 100 partridges, wild partridges, in a day. Uh, Grey grey partridges. It would have been a mixture. Right. But I would think it was probably 50-50 between English and French. And on the 11th of November 1976... We shot 229 wild pheasants in a day and 20 partridges. Goodness me. Absolutely astonishing. And I happened to find, in, when you asked me to do this, I looked back, and we used to do the Gabe Conservancy partridge pair count in the spring. And in April 1977, so after those two phenomenal breeding years, we had, on the south side of the farm, which was 400 acres, 89 pairs of partridges on the south side. Goodness me. And on the north side of the farm, 126 pairs, which was about, I think it worked out at about a pair to every four to f- or five acres. And the Gabriel Conservancy at that stage thought a, a pair to every 20 acres was a good good count. Assuming a reasonably good breeding, I mean, that's a hell of a, a, hell of a head of game on the place. It, it was a hell of a head of game. And, and the disappointment, of course, is that we now have no greys at all. Mm. Uh, the, 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 the red legs are, are all reared. And they don't breed terribly well anyway. But um, uh, it, it did show what... Was, we, we did some keeping then. Quite a lot of predator control. Predator control only and feeding. Yeah. Um, and um, obviously then uh, farming practices change. Yes. Uh, I think we have to admit that that's been a major factor. Uh, though I would say probably that the increase in vermin, uh, particularly corvids and foxes, has had them a, a significantly yes detri- yeah. detrimental effect. And in terms of the the fields and the boundaries and stuff, is it all broadly the same? I know a few hedges have come out over uh, the years, but no, it's 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 changed quite a lot. the The original conifer belts that were plant planted to drive partridges over, mm. they the larch and and conifers tend to top out on the chalk because they run out of soil, yeah, and so they then start falling over. So we, I removed a lot of those in the early eighties and replaced with some new woods, which are now semi mature. So we probably planted fifty thousand trees in in the time I've been here, and and planted them very much with the shoot in mind, both to drive things over and to drive things out of. Yeah. And so then, so the shoot's been, shoot's running the whole time. Uh, I'm born 1984, Jim 85, Charlie 88. Well, your brother was actually born in 86. Was he, he was 86, <laughs> you're right, sorry. <laughs> yeah, running all the time, never commercial, always been private. We once had a paying gun, which we decided not to do very quickly and it's you know it's it's a it's a privilege to be able to ask friends and family and do it on that basis and i've got you know looking back in the game book there are friends of mine who have been shooting here for 40 plus years and yes and, and probably a, their parents some of them as well indeed very much so yeah so philip who shot with us four weeks ago he was there in 1982 you know and your godfather um Definitely here from early 70s, really. Yeah. So I remember still doing the odd 
maybe 100 bird day when we were out beating as kids and when we were still pushing birds over the A34 and that sort of stuff. It was it was still yep. a fairly serious operation. Well, uh, yeah, we, we, we t- started putting a few birds down, I suppose, in the late 80s, something like that. Pheasants then. We didn't shoot that many days. We probably only shot two days or maybe three in the year. Yep. Now we tend to shoot five, maybe six. Uh, and if you go back to 1960 and all the way through, you could probably find an average bag throughout those years, right the way through to now, of between 40 and 60, which, from our point of view, is a perfectly nice day's shooting. Here, here, yes. So then I think there was a period of time where there wasn't really a shoot on the place, maybe for 10 years or so. I think, you know, we'd release a few maybe, but there wasn't anything in quite um, the same way. I, I had a period in, in probably the late 80s, it might have been something to do with all those children, when I actually stopped shooting, I, I got slightly disillusioned with it. Uh, I have stopped shooting now, but that's for a different reason. I, I was shooting a lot at that time. Like, you know, I was uh, very fortunate to have quite a lot of invitations. And I remember the occasion driving down to Dorset uh, to a, a very nice shoot as a guest. And I thought, why am I doing this? I, I just didn't think it was the right thing to do. So equally, I didn't feel that I wanted to upset all those hosts that I knew well and, and accept some invitations and not others. And so I just thought the easiest thing to do is to stop mm. for a while. So I probably stopped for about three, four years, and the shooting almost certainly didn't happen at that time. Yeah. But then, you know, I think we probably had our first day here as kids when I was about 10 or 11. Might be younger than that. Something even. like yeah. that. I mean, we were definitely out beating when we were oh, much yes. younger than that. But so so there was a, a bit of a shoot started up. And I guess when we were teenagers, when I was a teenager, then we did have a couple of days a year. Yep. And, you know, we'd shoot 30 or whatever. And I, we were releasing 300 birds, something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So... A lot's changed in the last 10 years or so. Well, I think your brother coming back to the place probably made the big difference. Um, yes. And he has rather rather grander ideas than I had. Um, so, yes, now I'm not sure he actually tells me what he releases anymore. Um, but I, I think it's about 500 pheasants and 1,000 partridges, something like that. Yes. So, so the big change was, you know, back then we were releasing only pheasants. Yep. And then I think maybe we'd had a disappointing day and a conversation was had well, this is really partridge country. It was always a, more of a partridge shoot. The pheasants weren't working terribly well, I seem to remember. Where I would like to get to, and where I'm trying to persuade Jim, is the only pheasants that fly really well in, in this country are the wild ones, because they, they probably stand on their tails and go up. Yeah. The reared pheasant doesn't do so well. Partridges are properly exciting. I, I love shooting partridges, or I did when I still shot. And I think what I would like to get to, and we'll see whether Jim might be persuaded, but he he probably won't like this being broadcast. My idea would be to release cocks only for a few years and shoot cocks only pheasants Mm -hmm. for a few years. So hopefully establish a good stock of wild hens in that period. And I think we would potentially then see an improvement in Mm. the way the pheasants fly. But I think that the, the introduction of the partridges when would it have been, five or six years ago, yeah. did make an enormous difference to not only to the bags that we were achieving, not that that's particularly important, but it just felt like it was more of a challenge, I think, 
you know, the partridges were such that it was a very different shoot suddenly. Definitely. I mean, I, I've just been pegging out with, with Jason, the guy who helps now with, uh, with the shoot. And um, one, of the, one of the difficulties, and many shoot owners and, and, and shoot captains will appreciate this, is that if you have partridges and pheasants, quite often drives don't work very well for both. Mm, you yeah. need to distinguish which one you're trying to do. And so the first drive tomorrow when we shoot, I've re-pegged it, and we are principally trying to get the partridges over the guns. And if they go over the guns, they'll be properly exciting. And the pheasants, maybe we'll pick them up later in the day. Yeah. But I think sometimes it can be very difficult to, to, to com- have a, a, a drive for combined pheasants and partridges. Yeah, yeah, unless you get a covey of partridge go over very early. Yeah, but it, it's also the way you drive drive them. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, need, you need to angle things differently and so forth. Um, I know. I say this every time when I do the, 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 the talk at the beginning of the day. It's another experiment. And I think we've been <laughs> experimenting for the last 60 years. Monday, maybe one day we'll get it right. Well, I think, what the, I think if we're doing railway tomorrow, we'll be doing it for the, in the third. I know it's the fourth, fourth, fourth iteration variation. in one season. Yes, <laughs> in four days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe one of them will work. So, but uh, along with the introduction to partridges, around the same time, I want to say, a lot more trees went in. Yes, the, as I said, the shelter belts at the beginning of the 80s were falling down. We weren't, we didn't have the partridges to, to drive over them, and they weren't any use for driving pheasants out of. So I started planting woods then and, and citing them in, in ways that I thought would uh, enhance the shoot. Some have worked, some haven't, and lots of people will be familiar with that. But now we're slightly moving back again, I think, to the idea of particularly driving partridges over hedges, which mm. is so much fun. Yeah. And uh, it will change again. Yeah. And so uh, we've also expanded the area of cover crop, of game yes, cover, that, and that's... changed the, what, we're, what we're planting. Yeah. In fact, I got my ear bent this afternoon when we were going around on the mule about, uh, about the cover crops this year, and that they're too thick, and uh, the partridges won't go into them because it's too thick, and, and so on. And I think we'll maybe look at something slightly different but it, it, it all these things evolve the the countryside stewardship scheme has given us the opportunity to put bigger blocks in which certainly for driving pastures is a much better bet mm. um but we'll but i mean the, the, again that was another another change that i thought i just added another element to my enjoyment of the days here because you know when you're pushing in big bits of bits of ground you can be standing on the peg for quite a long time but with the wild bird seed mixes, you know, you can be pretty confident that a big old, a big old cloud of linnets or something's going to come out and give you something to look at for a while while you're, while you're standing on the peg there. And th- th- it does seem to have made a huge difference there. Oh, I, I, for me, a day's shooting, and, and now I stand at the back of the line and tell everybody they're doing it wrong. But for me, one of the, the lasting memories uh, from all the days I've had over the years would have been the other wildlife that, mm. that, that's been in present. And these, these big blocks of, of winter bird food have been extraordinary. Huge flocks of linnets and uh, finches. and uh, it's, it's been a, a revelation, really. Yeah. So then I suppose that the, the, the most recent change, apart from the bigger blocks of cover, has been the, the flight pond. Which Jim and I have got big plans for. I mean, again, it's, it's funny how these things change because when I was a teenager, 
And I think even when you were a teenager too, George, the the 1st of September used to be a really special day because we used to go and sit in the middle of barley stubble fields. Oh, yes, I remember doing this, yeah. And the duck would flight into the barley stubbles and sometimes there were hundreds Mm. coming in. And it stopped. It was tremendously exciting. When I was a teenager, we had we had a, a, a an old black lab who'd gone blind, and we used, I used to take her because she could still pick up and and sit on the field and lean against her, and she would hear the ducks so much earlier than me. You'd feel her go rigid. Yes, absolutely amazing. Um, it may come back, but but we we uh, we got a, we actually got the council to dig a pond for us, which was very generous of them, a part of a deal on something else. And it would be nice to put some more in, uh, I yes, think. Yes, I think so too. So um, that's just another another bit to it. Um, so I think, it, you know, I'm very excited for our day tomorrow. It's lovely to be able to talk about the shoot in some detail on the podcast, because I think of every shoot in the country, this shoot has been mentioned on the podcast more than any other, which is in some ways... A, a bit laughable but in other ways i think it's it's very special that it is it certainly has a very special place in my heart and i, I think in the hearts of everybody who comes to shoot with us i think one of the things that you've said that is that bears repeating is that we are incredibly fortunate to be able to run a small shoot that is exclusively for the use of family and friends and i suppose the only real danger is that as the family continues to increase in size with uh, the most recent addition in the last week my sister is engaged to a very keen shot we're going to run out of pegs for guests at some point well we can start <laughs> limiting families i think i, well, that's another, I don't another, think so <laughs> Um, yeah, about half the line is taken up by either my children or their spouses or potential spouses. So, yes, we'll come cross that bridge when we come to it, I think. <laughs> and it won't be me making the decision, so that's even better. Well, it, it, it is really great to have you on the podcast. I know that you've listened a lot and you've been very supportive. So thank you for coming on. It's a shame I couldn't persuade Jim to come on. He's, well, A, he's, he's sleep deprived at the yes. moment. Um, <laughs> and, and, and B, he's, he's um, a little reticent in some of these matters. Yes. Um, modest, I think is the word. But uh, it's going to be a great day tomorrow, no matter what happens. And I, I hope that everybody listening has enjoyed learning a little bit more about the shoot that I go on about so much on the podcast. Thank you very much for coming on, Dad. Thank you for having me. Right, so Desert Island Shooting, your extinction-level asteroid hits tomorrow. Your affairs are in order, loved ones and enemies reconciled, dogs fed, tomatoes watered. Your last day begins how, Angus? So presumably I'm not supposed to say have a shepherd's pie with Chris and George and then be shooting with George tomorrow? Because that would be really cringe. Ah, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll avoid that. You can say it if you want to. You can say it if you want to. You can come again. <laughs> I've got a bucket list. Uh, I've got a bucket list that I want to do uh, Driven Grouse. Uh, and I think that's not as straightforward as just buying a day. I think there's a lot of a build-up to that. So I would love to go um, somewhere later in the season uh, and, and get out and, and do a day's Driven Grouse. It doesn't have to be a big day, but I'd love to do a day's Driven Grouse. Um, uh, there'd be a nice 11s uh, I think there would be uh, a nice high tea not too boozy not nothing of that nature because in the evening I'd love to go and do a duck I just love that sitting around a pond and hearing that sort of 
puffs of the wings coming fluttering in of, a, of an evening later. I don't think that's extraordinary as, as, as some of the desert island discs have been, uh, des- uh, 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 days have been, but I'd love to do it. You're going to get sued at desert island shooting. That's what I mean to say. <laughs> <Does it? laughs> do you know what? One of the things I think, we try and look for patterns in these things. Mm. I reckon... There isn't one? No, I, I think eight out of ten would have a duck flight in them. Is that right? There's uh, some analysis that needs to be done. There's some stats in there you could probably work yeah, out. I'm not Ms. doing Stato it. Stato Index. <laughs> on, Stato on Corner for the next, yeah. uh, next Okay, if you want, I'll tell you I'm going to say this. Um, so you know Spotify Wrapped is out now. Yeah. Someone shared their Spotify Wrapped with me the other day. I'm not going to name names because it's genuinely terrible. The person in question has listened to 5,000 minutes of the Guns on Pegs podcast this year. That's more than you've listened to and you edit it. It, yeah, it's, it's more than we've broadcast this year, for sure, by like a factor of 10. So that person, that person can go back through all of them again, because obviously they like listening to them. <laughs> or just, just reel it off the top of the head. They yeah, they know. probably got it memorized. Yeah. You can produce a, produce a, a nice graph I, for I us. think you're right, though. Ducks, wild ducks appears weirdly more than pigeons, because I reckon... Uh, the only uh, one who said pigeons was Tom. Yeah, and but an epic pigeon day beats a wild duck flight for me just. But I mean, a wild duck flight, the, the lovely thing about it is what you've just said. It's the evening, or the, or the, and actually on a driven grouse, you could easily do the morning as well. I guess. Uh, and they just append. They, they are bookending your ultimate day, aren't they? Yeah. And so why not? What else can you do at that point in the day from a shooting point of view? Not a lot. No. So have you done any grouse shooting? Walked up. Uh, yeah, which is which is which is wonderful. I've even had you know grouse pushed over you and shot them. I've stood in a butt on a kind of uh, will help you out, but you will push round the hill and you stand there unsuccessfully. But that day in a grouse butt with them coming at me one day, I need to do it. I look forward to my invitation. <laughs> I, see. I look forward to charging you for my gun. Yes, <laughs> oh, clever. Sheldon, what about you? Uh, I'd say a, a couple of things, really. I, I, I've got into shooting more latterly, and I would love to do McNabb. I, 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 I yeah. shoot badly, I stalk okay-ish, and I fish even worse, but it, uh, just the uh, idea of being true. out on the hill would be phenomenal. But I think one of the things that I listen to and, and, and ponder quite a lot through the, through, the, uh, through the podcast is how many people have been taught and worked and, and, and shot with their fathers. And my dad never shot. Uh, he's died 12, 13 years ago now. And I kind of realized I've fallen into this world and I absolutely love it. And I wish I could go shooting with him just to kind of relive that. That so, is such a So nice it's, it's an, odd, an odd inverse to kind of go and shoot with your dad is me teaching my dad to shoot would be lovely. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do you know, you're an old romantic. I'd never realized. You said before. But that is an absolutely lovely one. I really like that. But you're doing your bit, though, because you said before your daughters are shooting. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, I, I shot clays with my dad once or twice, and and uh, and then, you know, as I say, kind of got in shooting with Angus, and we've had a great time. And, and yeah. I, I sit back and look at Angus and then I listen to you guys. I think, oh, he would he would love this world. You know, it was it was built for him. It's bloody hard not to. I don't know. I don't understand why the whole world is into no, this. No, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but absolutely, I, I think it's great. You know, I love going shooting with my girls. I love kind of with with the wives, and it, it really is a family event. And I think people who don't get that, you know, people who go for these corporate days, it's, it's, it, there's something in it. But the, what's special is is going out and, and and shooting with the family and friends, really. So, here, here. Well, so I, you know, coming up with names for these episodes is sometimes challenging 
but this episode is going to be called the family shoot episode. Yeah, yeah, nice. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, as I warned you in my email to you, you are going to be massively outnumbered by Browns tomorrow. <laughs> um, we're a big family and everyone will be there. The whole crew, including my kids, including the newest addition to the Brown clan, will be making a oh, wow. uh, an appearance at Elevenses, I'm led to believe. Wow. Uh, Poppy is six days old. Oh my goodness. Wow. And she'll be coming out to say hi, I think. So it will be a proper family shoot. Brains to the right of us, brains to the left of us, into the valley yeah. of brains they rode. Okay, <laughs> exactly. there we go. <laughs> uh, and um, it's an absolute honour to have all you with us. So thank you thank very, you very much. much. And and um, I absolutely love that desert island shooting. A really, really lovely sentiment. Thank you. Yeah. Right. So as per usual, there is one final reminder that you can get your hands on a pair of the very exclusive, highly coveted Guns on Pegs podcast shooting sock garters by sending us your shooting dilemmas for us to resolve or by sharing your unpopular opinions or letting us know about the forgotten drives that you wish you could bring back, just drop us an email to pod at gunsonpegs.com and if we read it out in the next episode, we will send you some garters. We will be back in a couple of weeks' time with another episode. But until then, thanks very much for listening and goodbye. So Gamay after Alcoholic and Bongo is an amazing tie. <laughs> 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 <laughs>